All righty. Have you got your Bible with you? Well, I brought mine in case you didn't. I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, last week, we talked about looking into the future, and it wasn't much fun. We're going to have more fun this week, I promise you. We talked about looking into the future, but we looked into the near future last week, like this year, the next year, two, three years down the road. We're going to look into the future again today, but we're going to look way into the future today. And you need to do this. Now, once in a while, preachers get accused of talking about that pie in the sky and the sweet by and by. 90% of what I talk about is dealing with the nasty here and now. But I want to tell you something. I want you to hear God's word this morning. We're going to talk about looking into the future. The Bible talks about some things that are called mysteries. I don't know if you ever saw that word in the Bible, but often it says, talks about a mystery. This is a mystery. It says this is a great mystery. Well, the word mystery means hidden truth. It's something science can't discover. The intellect can't discover. The only way you can understand these things is if the living God shows them to you. And today we're going to talk about the greatest mystery and we're going to talk about eternity. But let me tell you this before we, before we start. Uh, what we're going to look at today is going to be a little deep, but we're going to put it where everybody can get it. So it's going to be for the intellect. But today what we're going to talk about is primarily for your heart. Did you know that when Jesus talked about eternity, he prefaced it by saying this, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be afraid. So when Jesus talked about eternity, he was talking to people's hearts. Let me put it in language you can understand. How do you handle this thought? It could happen that I could never see my child again. How do you handle that? If you're in love like I am and you have a sweetheart that you love dearly, a husband or a wife, how do you handle the thought and the knowledge that it's going to happen that I'll never see them again, ever? How do you deal with that? See, these are heart issues. Don't raise your hand, but let me ask you a question. Is there anybody here that had somebody that you really loved and they're not on this earth anymore? So this is for you today. And that's, these are the big questions of life. And we need to answer them. We need to go to God's word and get them answered. So I want us to do something. And uh, I want to show you how to do something. And I would encourage you to do this. Don't study your Bible academically. To, to understand the Bible, you need the one who wrote it to help you. Every time I read the Bible, when I'm in private or whatever, I'll put my hand on it or I'll always pray before I open it. And I'll say, Dear Holy Spirit, speak to my heart through this word. One of the greatest prayers you'll ever pray is in Psalm 119. Listen to it. Here's what you need to pray. Open my eyes that I might see wonderful things in your word. Ask him to help you understand his word. Ask him to speak to your heart through his word. So I want us to do that. Just put your hand on your Bible and join me. Father, I want to praise you and thank you for this day. You have blessed us beyond measure, but I want to ask you that you would send your spirit and you would open the eyes of our hearts and you would
a doubt. Now, dear ones, these great eternal mysterious things, you wonder, you, you're not sure, this one says this, that one says that. I was visiting in the country club in Siler City years ago. I'm a 27-year-old kid, just started preaching. And I was walking through the country club, knocking on people's doors, inviting them to church and talking to them. I was a new preacher in town and I knocked on a door and a man came to the door. He was in his 60s. And I began to talk to him and I said, let me ask you a question. I said, do you know for certain if you fall over tonight that you have eternal life, that you'd go to heaven? And he said to me, he, just, he was very nice about it. He said, son, he said, nobody can know that kind of stuff. What do you think? You think you, as people have said, do you just have to wait to get there? I maybe think you can know some things. What are the first words? We know. There was just some things you can know. Let's read a little bit further. For we know, we don't think, we know. If our earthly house, this tent is destroyed. Let's pause right there. When it says earthly house, tent, what's it talking about? Is it talking about your body? And maybe see a word that needs to be changed right there. When it says, if we know, if our body is destroyed, how many of you know that word if needs to be changed to, did somebody say when? You sound real sure about it. There was, it's not if my body's destroyed, it's when. All right, there's some things we know. Here's what we know. We know that if our earthly house, this body, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from the Father, God, a house not made with hands. It's eternal in the heavens. In this we groan, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. In those three verses, I want you to notice something. The Bible gives five words that it uses for your body. What are the five words it uses to describe the human body in there? The word house, tent, building, clothing, habitation. All five of those words are talking about what? the human body. Now, uh, let me, uh, the Bible said that we know if this tent, this house, this, and it even calls my body a piece of clothing. We know that if this, if it's destroyed, I've got another one. Now I want to, I want to help you to understand. Let me paint a little picture here to help you understand this. I brought my coat with me today and uh, let me get it on here so I can help you understand this. I'm going to do something. I want you to watch what I do. And then I want you to tell me what just happened to me. All right, if I do this right here, okay. Question, did I just die? What'd I do? I just took my coat off. Question, question number two, is that me? Where's me? I'm up here. That's not me. Dear ones, that's what the Bible teaches about my body. I am no more my body than that coat is my body. And one day when I take this body off, I'll be no more dead than I am right now. That's why the Bible says our body is, it's just like, it's a house. Now I have a house, but I'm not my house. I have a tent. I like to camp. I'm not that tent. I have clothes, but I am certainly not my clothes. What does the Bible say right here? We have tied the human body too close to the me. And uh, this body is going to fall over one day. Not even close to it. Now, you say, well, Brother Brown, what am I? All right, let's look in the scriptures at what I really am, what you are. Let me, uh, let me quote to you first. I want to quote 1 Thessalonians 5.13. This tells you what you are. Now may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of Jesus. Tell me what I'm made up of. 
spirit, soul, body. But there's a difference between those things. You need to know the difference between these things. And it's in chapter four. Look right above where we were reading. Verse 16. Here's where it talks about those things. Verse 16. Therefore, we do not get discouraged, even though our what? Outward man is perishing. Yet our what? Inward man is being renewed and strengthened. So the body says, I have two things. I mean, the Bible says I have two things. What are they? I have an outward man, which is my body. But what is that inward man thing? What's that talking about? Or inner man? What's it talking about? That's my spirit. That's my soul. That's the real me. Let me tell you what your spirit and your soul is made of. The modern term is personality. Let me tell you what it's made up of. I have a, I am a spirit. There's a spirit inside of me that can touch the spirit world. When we were, uh, <clears throat> when they were singing a minute ago, that song, just as I am, did anybody feel the spirit of God during that song? You know what happened? God's spirit touched your spirit. You can feel God's spirit. You feel him with your spirit. There was only spirit can touch spirit. And if you felt something sweet and wonderful right here, that was with your spirit. But you not only have a spirit, you have a soul. And a lot of people confuse the two. Your soul is made up of your intellect. And with my intellect, I can reason and think and touch the intellectual realm. I also have something called a memory in there. That's part of my soul. My soul is also made up of my emotions. I can see something beautiful and enjoy it. I can see something unjust and feel anger. I can see something frightening and feel fear. That's my emotions. And my soul's also made up, number three, of my will. There's something inside of me that gets to make decisions. And those decisions chart the course of my life. All right, my inner man is my spirit, my emotions, my will. That's me. My outer man is my body. What's the difference between those two? Let's read verse 16 again. We do not get discouraged, though our outer man is perishing. Tell me what my outer man's doing. It's perishing. Now, if you're 18, your outer man is not perishing. Your outer man's still on the rise. If you're 25, your outer man is not perishing. It's leveled off. Are y'all ready to be blessed? If you're 35, your outer man's perishing. You have started the long, slow descent. Physiologists tell us that the peak of the human body is what? You grow, grow, grow till about 20. At 20, you level off until about 30, 32. And then at 32, you begin a descent into what they call the golden years. It's rust. Not many 40-year-old linemen in the NFL. Brady, Tom Brady's are unusual. So we grow. Our, our outer man is growing. He levels off for about 10, 12 years. Then he starts this slow descent. I told you we'd have fun today. Starts this slow descent. What does the Bible say? My outward man is perishing. I'm 63. I cannot do at 63 what I could do at 23. I promise you. My mirror talks real ugly to me these days. If you're one of them people, your mirror's still talking nice to you. You just stick around a long while. It'll talk trash to you for long. All right, so what does the Bible say about the body? It is what? It has a downward cycle. It perishes. You knew this. But what does the Bible say about my inner man? 
It's not perishing. What's it doing? I, my inner man is being renewed every day. My inner man doesn't perish. My inner man never has a downward curve. My inner man goes only up. See the difference between those two? So the scripture teaches my inner man is always going up. You're not your body. You, you're just house. Now, <clears throat> do some of you believe there's some things we can't see? <clears throat> Can I ask you a question? Just because you can't see it, does that mean it's not real? We're in trouble if that's the case, isn't it? Science studies what you can see and measures what you can see. Now, I'm, I'm not anti-science. I'm pro-science. I believe science has helped us a lot. Listen to me carefully. I am supra-science. There are some things above science. There are some things science can't touch. Now, there are things that we can see and there are things we can't see. I want you to look with me in verse 18 of chapter four, the last verse in that chapter. We do not look at the things which are what? Seen. We don't focus on them. But the things which are not seen. Do you see the words things that are not seen? So the Bible says there are some things you can't see. What's this? For the things that are seen are temporary. The things that you can't see are eternal. All right, let me, let me just point something out to you here. There are some things you can't see, but if you could see them, let me show you what the Bible says you'd do. Read with me in chapter five, verse two. <clears throat> in this tent, we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. Verse four, we are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed. All right, let me, I want you to listen to this carefully. What is the number one fear of all of humanity? It's called the great fear of mankind. It's called the last enemy. What is it? Somebody say it. Death. Death is called the great fear. It's the last fear. And uh, when you talk about dying, people, they, they recoil from it. They don't want to talk about it. I'm going into old age, leaving claw marks in the concrete. I do not like getting old. People talk about those glory days. You can stick it in your ear. I'll go back to 25 in a heartbeat. However, however, what does the Bible say right here? If you could see the things that are not seen, you would what? Groan to get there. I, I hate, I just, I'm not a wintertime person. Those of you that are, there's something wrong with you. I love sweating five minutes after I wake up in the summertime. I want to sweat. I want to be hot. 94 is comfortable for me. And I long for those summer days when I can get outside and sweat and get back on the water. And so in the winter, I'm going, oh, it's January. Oh, I wish it was June. You know what that's called? Groaning. Read that with me again. In this we groan, earnestly desiring. I groan for June to get here. I'll even take May right now. I'd be happy with April after this week. What does the Bible say right there? If you could see the things not seen, every morning you got up, you'd go, oh, I can't wait to get in that new body, in that new place. But we can't see it, so we're a little uncertain of that. <clears throat> All righty. How many of you believe you were created? How many of you believe that you're just a biological, uh, that you're just the product of a man and woman coming together? Or does the Bible say, let us make man in our image. How many, of you, how many of you believe you were created by God? Then the question is why? Look at me in verse five. The scripture says this. He 
who created us for this very thing is God. So the Bible tells me there that I was created by God and I was created for something. This very thing, what was I created for? Let me tell you something, dear ones. You were not created primarily for this earth. This is a very temporary testing ground. You were really created for the next earth. And in our culture and our way of thinking, you got life, my 70, 80 years, and then you better be good so you can go to heaven just in case it's there. The truth is I was created for eternity. This is just a little testing ground right here. That's the way you see things from an eternal perspective. He who created us for this very thing, eternal life, was the Father. I was created for that. And uh, that's why the deaths, I was made for that purpose. This life is very temporary as a brief testing. Now, all right, I'm a preacher and I talk about spiritual stuff and I got friends who talk about spiritual stuff and I've been, I've been told by many a person, I don't believe that stuff. I don't believe that heaven mess. I don't believe there's a God. I'm an atheist or an agnostic or whatever. All right, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Can you know this stuff is real? Can you know that God is real? Can you know that this eternal life stuff is real? Or are we just guessing? Are we just hoping? I'm going I'm to try to be good and not cuss and not smoke just in case he's there. No, friend, let me tell you something. This Bible says God has given you a guarantee that he's real. Your new body is real. The new earth is real. It's all real. He's given you a guarantee. What's that guarantee? Some of you experienced it just a little bit ago. I want you to look with me in verse five. Here's the guarantee. He who created us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Holy Spirit as a what? Guarantee. Tell me what the Holy Spirit is. It is a guarantee that there is a land that's fairer than day. It is a guarantee that if this body is destroyed, I have a body in the heavenlies not made with hands. It is a guarantee that we live forever. The Holy Spirit is my guarantee from God that he's real and life is real. Eternal life is real. I don't know if you've ever uh, experienced this or not, but if you, uh, if you ever experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit, I don't experience it all the time. Like for instance, we were singing a little bit ago, just as I am and some people fell a real, you experienced a real sweet presence at your heart. That was God guaranteeing you that he's there and that everything he promised is real. And I experienced that in prayer sometimes. I want you to turn with me a few pages to the right to see that in Ephesians. You've got 2 Corinthians, Galatians, and Ephesians chapter 1. Let me tell you what happens or what happened to you. Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to look at two verses that talk about how God will guarantee it. I've had a many a prayer. I've had Christians say to me, I hope this stuff is real. I was sitting with a minister one day. We were sitting at the lake at a picnic table, and he looked at me, and he was dead serious. And we had the Bible between us, and he said, what are we going to do if we get to the end of our lives and find out that some guy named Joe wrote this book under a tree? It was, that sounds like somebody's not sure about it. it was, this is big stuff. I, I can't hope. I've got to know. I want to be sure this stuff is real. Is there a way you can know it's real? Watch this. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 says this. Ephesians 1 13. In Jesus you trusted... After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. How many of you did that? How many of you heard the gospel, the word of truth, and then you decided that's true? And you prayed and you trusted Jesus as your Savior. How many of you have done that? 
All right, doesn't it say that? You trusted him after you heard the word of truth. Watch what happened. Verse 13, let's read it again. In Jesus, you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel in whom also the moment you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The moment you called on Jesus, something happened to you. Something happened inside of you. What does the Bible say? The very Holy Spirit of God came inside of you and he sealed you. Now, let me tell you something. Some people had a very emotional experience when that happened. I did. It was very powerful when I got saved. Holy Spirit knocked me down. Billy Graham, on the other hand, said, I didn't feel a thing. I just knew I was a sinner and I needed Jesus. And Mordecai Ham was preaching at a tent meeting in Charlotte. I walked down the aisle and I accepted Jesus as my Savior. I think Billy Graham saved. Listen to me. I don't go by what I felt. I go by what this word says. And the Bible says the moment you believe, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. And he comes inside of you. And now watch what the Bible says happens in verse 14. Who is, now who's the who talking about here? The Holy Spirit. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. God saved me the moment I called on his name. He put his spirit inside of me. But the Bible says that there's going to come a day when I'll be with him forever. That's the redemption of the purchased possession. But he left me something. And that spirit is the guarantee of my eternal life and the new earth. I, this is a terrible way to illustrate this, but it's the best I can do. Is anybody here old enough to remember layaway? <laughs> Y'all remember layaway? When I was a boy, your mama went to Kmart and, and she'd buy something, but she didn't want to take it home. Maybe it was a bike for Christmas. She'd put it on layaway and she'd pay for it. Or you maybe made payments, she'd pay for it. And then she'd get a ticket and they'd take that bike off the floor and they'd put it in the back, put her name on it. And it was on layaway. And on a set day, you had to come back and pick it up. Now you'd already paid for it. It was yours, but it wasn't in your possession yet. But you'd come back and pick it up. This is terrible to say this, but if you're a believer, you're on layaway. <laughs> Isn't that what it says? Are you the purchased possession of Jesus right now? Has he not bought you with his own blood at the cross? He's paid for your eternity. He's paid for you to be with him forever. He's paid for eternal life. Am I there yet? No. I'm on layaway. What's my ticket? What is my guarantee? The Holy Spirit of God. The Bible said you were sealed with the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Every time I pray and I sense the Holy Spirit, He's reminding me, you'll see me face to face one day. You'll spend eternity with me. There is a new body waiting on you when this one expires. Don't worry about this and creaking so much now. It's temporary anyway. Just throw it away one day. I got you a brand new coming one. Dear ones, this stuff is real. And the Holy Spirit of God is our guarantee that this is reality. This is the truth of the ages. That's why the Holy Spirit is so precious and we need him so dearly. Need him close in our lives. That's his guarantee of eternal life. Now, <clears throat> I want you to look at me with one of the great verses in the Bible. It's in this passage. And turn back to 2 Corinthians 5. You can live your life one of two ways according to this verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Bible says this. Now remember, 2 Corinthians 5 is that great passage where it talks about eternity. And it says this, we know if this body falls over, I've got another one. Long to be there. Jesus has redeemed me. He's given me a spirit. And then it makes this great statement in verse 7. We walk by faith and not by sight. You ever heard that? What does the word walk mean? live our daily lives. Walk means living out. You can live by one of two things. What are they? 
One is sight. The other is faith. Now, dear ones, sight, this is not complicated at all. <clears throat> to live by sight is just simply limited vision. I believe what I can see. I believe what science can prove. I believe what my mind can accept. That's sight. That's living by limited knowledge. And dear ones, that's a pretty limited way to live. What if there's something I can't see? What if there's something my mind can't comprehend? What if there's something science can't measure in a test tube or a find with a microscope or a telescope or a stethoscope or any other kind of scope? What does it mean to live by faith? Don't make this complicated. Listen to the definition of faith in the Bible. And I want you to remember this forever. Here it is. It's Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. Faith is when I can know something nobody else can see. Faith is when I've been shown something nobody else can see. Now you're going to live your life by what you can understand or by what God shows you. You're going to live these one of two ways. All right. Let me teach you something here. If I'm a person, and I've got friends who do this. I've got uh, real intellectual friends, believe it or not. They, they do hang around me some. And uh, their big heads get in the way of their tiny hearts. Yep. You don't find God with your head. You will find me when you search for me with all your heart. He reveals himself to the human heart. The greatest mind of my generation died two years ago. He was the great astrophysicist. And he said this, I have searched the universe over. There is no God. How can the smartest, arguably the smartest man in, in our generation, how could he not find God? He looked for him with the wrong thing. He looked for him with his mind through a telescope. I sought God with my heart. I find him every day. You find God when you search for me with all your heart. Now, I want to point something out, see if you agree with this. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, if you live by sight, you can only go by what you see and what you can understand. You are pitiful. 1 Corinthians 15, 19. If what we have in this life is only what we can see, we of all men are to be pitied. Let me explain to you why. I've got a wonderful marriage. I love my sweetheart. Every day with Katie is sweeter than the day before. I'm going to write a song about that. I love her dearly. We have the best time. And maybe your marriage is like that. But let me ask you this. What if you knew, no matter how good it is, you're fixing to never see them again? You are to be pitied. I love my children. We had them all home for Christmas. Some of you are still blessed to have your children in the house. Some of you are blessed to have them out of the house. Some of you, we, we just love our children. We love for them to be around. But what if you knew, let me tell you, all you can see is this. One day I'll never see them again. That's sight. You are to be pitied. What if I had somebody I loved and they're no longer on this earth and I will never see them again? You are to be pitied. If all we have is what we have on this earth, we are to be pitied. That's living by sight. That's a pretty pitiful life, isn't it? You say, Brother Brown, I'm, I'm 20 years old. Got, got my whole life in front of me. I sneezed and I'm 63. Buckle up, doc. <laughs> I got news for you. This train picks up speed on the other side of 32. <laughs> My mirror talks ugly to me. And every time I look at it, it says you're getting older. Remember when the majority of your body was up around your shoulders? Remember when you had that long wavy black hair? Remember when you was pretty? I was pretty when I was young. But you know what? 
I don't walk by sight. I walk by faith. I believe this word. You know what I know? I talk right back to that mirror. When he tells me you're getting older, I said, shut up. I'm getting closer. I'm getting older. I'm getting closer. And I said, Jesus, wait till you see my new body. It'll knock your socks off. If I live by sight, I'm to be pitied. But what if I live by faith? What if I chart my life by the things this word tells me? I'm married to my sweetheart. We have the best time. I love her dearly. It's never going to stop. There might be a little break in our relationship for a few days, but a hundred years from now, we'll still be together. She asked me, do you think we'll live in the same mansion? I said, do you, are you excited? Are you upset? Why are you asking? <laughs> All three of my children have trusted Jesus. There might be a little break in our relationship. A hundred years from now, we'll still be laughing together. That's a life of faith. I got friends that have left me. I think of my dear friends, Dr. J.L. Williams, who abandoned me with y'all. I hadn't seen him in a while. It's been four years now. We will laugh together again one day. You know what that's called? That's called we walk by faith and not by sight. If all I've got is what I can see, that's pitiful. But if I've got faith, praise be to God. Praise God. I really don't care what bumps we go through in here. This ain't the big one anyway. It's the big one. That's what the Bible teaches when it means that we live by revelation and, and not by sight. And now listen, if you live by faith, according to this book, and it, which is the substance of things hoped for, the things not yet seen, I, I don't even use, like to use the word heaven because what comes into your mind when you think heaven? When you think heaven, what do you think of? Clouds, fat angels, white robes, harps. That'd be hell to me. I don't want to go where you sit on a cloud and play a harp. Could you imagine we played harps 10,000? Harps are boring to start with. I play no harp in heaven. I love what the Bible calls it. This earth will be dissolved, but we look for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. I'm going to live in a new earth. Let me tell you something about that new earth. We're going to laugh in that new earth. It's, I, uh, you'll, work, you'll have a job in the new earth. Oh, you will like it. The Bible said his people will serve him there. Don't you remember in the Bible when Jesus talked about the new earth and he said, you've been faithful in this life. I'll make you ruler over 10 cities. I don't want to rule 10 cities. I've ruled one church 40 years. I don't want to rule anything in heaven. I'll make you rule over five cities. You'll have an assignment in eternity. Guess what I'm going to do for my occupation? You know what it's going to be? I'm going to farm. Me and my son, he loves farming. We will farm together. Because you can turn tractors off quicker than you can people. I love farmers. We're going to farm together. You say you're being cute. I am not being cute. You don't think we're going to eat in eternity? Dear ones, Jesus was crucified in a weak human body. But when he came out of that grave, he was in his resurrected body. He did things in that body he couldn't do in his first body. Do you remember when they were hidden and the door was locked? Jesus walked right through the wall and said, peace be to you. What's the first thing he said when he appeared? Well, he said, peace first. Then what did he say after he appeared to him? Children, do you have any food here? And what'd they give him? You remember? They gave him a fish, piece of fish and a honeycomb and he ate it in front of them. You're going to eat with that resurrected body. Well, you don't think it's going to fall out of the sky. Somebody got to grow that stuff. Let me tell you what Isaiah says about that new earth. And in that day, they will beat their swords into plowshares 
and their spears into pruning hooks. We will never make weapons of war again, but we will make instruments of agriculture, tractors, plows. Well, that's what me and my son are gonna do. We're gonna, we're gonna farm together and we're gonna go to church too. It'll really be good. A couple years ago, I'm fishing with a fellow in South Florida. He played for the Miami Dolphins in the early 70s when they were the only NFL team to ever go undefeated and win the Super Bowl, played under Don Shula. And he got hurt, had a career-ending injury, so he became a fishing guy. We're fishing together. We had the best time that day hearing about his stories. We got to the end of the day, and I said, uh, Chet, let me ask you something. You gonna be in heaven to fish with me in heaven one day? And he said, I suppose they've got a river or something up there lakes maybe. Can I ask you a question? Are there going to be rivers in heaven and lakes in heaven? It is the new earth. Are there rivers in this earth? Are there lakes on this earth? Who created this earth before we screwed it up? He is the one who will make a new earth. For those of you that were scared you're going to sit on a cloud and play a harp, this is your day. <laughs> For those of you like me and you love the outdoors and you love fishing and you love breathing and you love you love God's creation, the new earth in righteousness. It just means everything's going to be right. It's going to be this earth for we screwed it up. It's going to be perfect. And let me throw this in. Let me tell you some other things. I'm, this is something else about this. If your grandmother loved Jesus and she's in heaven, she will be, you will see her. But she's not going to look like your grandmother. They know old people in heaven. Hang on, hang on. The Bible said that the aging process was the result of sin. You weren't ever supposed to age. It came in after the fall of man. Your grandmama's going to be 25 in heaven. Yeah, that really, all right. I wouldn't want to take this thing for eternity anyway. I'm going to look like Trey Hamilton when we get to heaven. I ain't going to be fat no more. Dear ones, Please listen to me. This verse applies both ways. I has not seen nor has he heard, neither in the heart of man, all the things God has prepared. And that's why we look at the things that are not seen. Now you say, well, that's that way down the road stuff. You listen to me. You're not ready to live on this earth until you're ready to die and go to the next one. And when you're ready for eternity, you're ready to really live on this planet and enjoy yourself. That's why we walk by faith and not, not by sight. All right, let me... Let me throw this out here. Why this passage? Why is this in the Bible? This is in here to help me and you with something. And, and let me say this again. This is in here so that we're not wandering around saying, well, you know, Dr. Smell Fungus and th this group says this and that group says that. And my atheist friend, one of the greatest mysteries in the world to me, if this offends you, I'm sorry, be offended and get over it. <laughs> A certain pale blue university, 23 miles east of here, has a religion department. And the chairman of the religion department is an atheist. Look it up. How many of you know an atheist has got no business teaching anybody about God? I just thought I'd point that out. There's a red university up the road. They believe in God over there, in case you're just wondering. Dear ones, let me tell you something. Why is this in the Bible? What's the first words? We know. I want you to know this isn't phony baloney. This isn't makeup. This is reality. This is truth. And you need to know these things. You need to know the truth about eternity. That's why it's in there. Secondly, this truth will set you free from man's greatest fear. A lot of people are scared of different things. What does the Bible say is the greatest fear? The Bible calls death the last enemy. 
Death is an enemy. You know why people hate death? You know why they hate to even talk about it? Because there's something inside of here that knows we're not supposed to die. We were not created to die. We're eternal creatures. That's why when you talk to people about death, they just recoil. I've tried to talk to people about Jesus before and they'll say, I don't want to talk about that. And I'll say, well, fine. Guarantee me you're never going to do it. I'll never talk about it. Was, we hate death. Mary Kay got rich off people hating death. We don't even want to talk about it. Saddest job in the world would be a life insurance salesman. Nobody wants to talk about it. But let me tell you something. How many of you know that this statistic has always held true? One out of one people that's born dies. You know what the greatest thing God can give you in this earth? Hebrews chapter two, listen to this. Because we had to wear a human body, Jesus put on a human body and died in that human body in our place that he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and set us free all the days of our lives from the fear of death. Listen, this is given so that instead of... Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm not looking forward to falling over. That's natural. I can't tomorrow. I promised mom I'd fix the sink in the bathroom tomorrow, so I've got to stay a little bit longer. But you know how wonderful it is to face death, look it right in the eye and say, you can't touch me. Do you know how wonderful it is to say, as the Bible says, where's your sting? Where's your victory, old grave? You didn't get me. All you got was my body. I love the old tombstone in the old country church. There's a man named Mr. Pease went to church there. And when he died, his wife wrote on the stone, this ain't Pease. This is just the pod. Peace shelled out and went to God. That's the truth. <laughs> now, let me tell you something. That's sort of a silly saying. That is one of the greatest theological truths you'll ever lay hold of. Then either this stuff is real or it's not. But when I hear this, his spirit bears witness and says, this is truth. This is the reality. If we knew the truth and got it down in our hearts, there was an older lady. She died at 84, I believe, years old. Greatest hymn writer ever lived. Her name was Fanny Crosby. She wrote most of our great hymns, or not most, many of them. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine, many of those great hymns. She went into a coma, they thought. She was dying. Her sister sat up with her. The doctor came in the room to see her uh, one day, and uh, her sister asked him, said, do you think that she'll go soon? And the doctor said, probably today. They didn't know she could hear him. When the doctor said, probably today, she hollered out, too good to be true. <laughs> you know what that is? That is a woman who has lost the fear of death and has seen the other side and knows that to depart and be with Christ is far better. Amen. Let me tell you something. I got a great life going on. I'm married to the world's greatest woman. I, I just, I love life. I'm just content and blessed. I'm so old now. I don't have to impress anybody. I don't care what they say. I got a great life. But praise God, one of these days I'm going to fall over and it's going to be an instant upgrade. That is living. Jesus came that you might have eternal life and abundant life and you don't have to give up one for the other. You can have both. So this was given to help and to celebrate his goodness. I want us to get, you, you need to get this down in your heart. One of my favorite songs in this area was written by a great saint named Randy Travis. Randy wrote a song and it is one of the greatest songs dealing with the Bible truth here. And it talked about the death of his grandfather and it went like this. By my grandfather's bed, my mother is broken. Psalm 91, God is our refuge. She doesn't want to hear anything about his leaving. But he stirs and he says, if you could only see what I see. 
If you could only hear the angels singing, if you could only know how much he loves you. And I've heard this before. He was a man and his daddy, granddad was a godly man. And at that place right there, I've heard of this. He still had one foot on this earth, but he had the other foot in the other one. And he could see some things here and still talk back there. I've heard of that a time or two. Dude, I want to tell you something. If all of us, I just wish I could get all of you on a bus and let's take a day trip. When you came back, you would never be afraid of anything else longest day of your life. You'd never worry about anything longest day of your life. You'd be a changed person. I want to quit by telling you about a man that did. I'm, I'm pretty skeptical in my old age about stories that people tell. I stick with his book right here. But once in a while, I come across a story and I know it was true. There was a man years ago named Ray Edmond. Ray was the president of Wheaton College from the 40s to 1967. And uh, Ray was one of the godliest men in our nation. That's back when Wheaton College was the premier Christian school in our nation. It's not quite that great anymore. But at that time, it was a great school. And Ray was the president of Wheaton College for years. He, he had a young student in Wheaton and he saw promise in this young student and he saw that God's hand was on him. So he took him in personally and mentored him. His young friend's name was Billy Graham. And he was Billy Graham's mentor. And then after Billy became an evangelist, Ray became the vice president of Billy Graham's organization. But he had an experience as a young man. He went to college. At 21 years old, he graduated and he went to Ecuador as a missionary to the Indians in Ecuador. And Ecuador is still a primitive place now. It was very primitive back then. And he met another young lady there. She was a missionary there. They got married pretty quick. And uh, within a year, they had a little baby. And when that little baby was just a few months old, Ray contracted typhoid fever. And it was deadly. Uh, he was back in the 1923-4, not much medical help there. And he was dying from typhoid fever. And the doctor didn't give him any hope. And Ray said it was very unusual because I'd been with people that died before. I'd studied this. But he said, I'm, I'm laying there in that bed. And he said, I'm in what they called a coma. I couldn't communicate. I couldn't speak. But he said, I was completely aware of what was going on around me. And I've heard medical doctors say that before. Even if they can't talk to you, they can hear you. And he said, I knew, I said, uh, back then, you, and even some places today, when somebody dies in the tropics, you bury them that day. You don't wait. They have to bury them that day. And a friend had already dyed his wife's wedding dress black, making preparations for his funeral. And the doctor said, it won't be long. And he said, I just knew that I was dying. And he said, here I am, a brand new wife, got a little few month old baby. Well, naturally nobody would want to leave that. He said, but you know what? I was at perfect peace. He said, I wasn't upset. I wasn't, he said, I was just at peace, but I knew you're going to die. And he said, I sensed that I was getting weaker. And uh, he said, what I didn't know, and I found out later, and he wrote this in his biography. He said, I found out later that in Massachusetts, there was a missionary conference taking place. And that's where missionaries will come together, two or three hundred, and they'll encourage each other for a couple of days and they'll teach each other. And there was a missionary conference taking place and a missionary was up speaking to these other missionaries. I think it was about 200 people there. And uh, the man who was running the conference, he said, I became overwhelmed with the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, impressing me. Ray Edmonds in trouble and you need to pray for him. He said, I just became so impressed by God. And I thought, well, we'll wait. And the Holy Spirit impressed me. You need to do it now. And uh, of course he knew him because he'd been one of his uh, professors. And he said, I just stood up, just stopped the speaker and said, I'm sorry to interrupt. He said, folks, the Holy Spirit's impressing me that one of my young missionaries, Ray Edmonds, in trouble. And I want us to just stop and pray for him right now. And they just stopped and they all got on their knees and began to pray. And Ray said, all of a sudden, 
I became aware that it was time. And he said, I'd heard of this. He said, but I experienced it. He said, I just, he said, my spirit, man, my body just rose, started rising right out of my body. And he said, I just remember I was going up. And he said, I, I was just, there was this light, just white light all around me. And I've heard that from people before. And he said, I don't know whether I was like up in the air in the room or I don't know where I was, but I just remember I was ascending up. And he said, I became overwhelmed. He said, I can't even describe it. He said, words fail me to describe the sweetness and the peace. And I knew I was in the love of God. And he said, I was being drawn closer and closer. And I was just, he said, I've studied about it. I've heard about it, but I've never experienced the love of God like this. And he said, I knew I was being drawn to the presence of God. And he said, I just remember thinking more than I ever dreamed it would be. And he said, all of a sudden, and I think this had to do with the prayers being made. I believe the spirit of God prompted the people. He said, I just stopped ascending. And I heard a voice say to me, it's not time. You need to go back. And he said, it was the sweet voice of God. And he said, I began to descend back toward my body. And now listen to what he said. <clears throat> he said, I got a young wife. I got a brand new baby. I've got a career in front of me. And he said, it wasn't that I wanted to leave them, but he said, I had drawn so close to God. I did not want to go back. As much as I love my wife and my child, he said, I'd been too close to God to go back. And he said, I had so experienced the sweetness of God. And he said, there's no way you can describe it. There's no way you can explain it. You just have to experience it. And he said, I descended. He said, I remember going right back into my body. And he said, he, and he did recover. It took a long time, but he recovered. He lived another 40 some years and he did suffer physically from typhoid the rest of his life. <clears throat> but after that happened, <clears throat> his wife wrote and I read it. She said he was never the same again. She said there was a sweetness around that man. There was a peace around him. There was a hope around him. And, and I read people, right? Billy Graham wrote about him. He said he's the, most, he's the most presence of God man I've ever been around. You know why he'd been that close to him? Dear ones, I promise you on the day when, we, when what we call dying, let me make an announcement. If you believe in Jesus, you are not going to die. You might throw your coat off, but there's a new one waiting. Listen to the simple words of Jesus. And I want you to listen to what he said. He who believes in me will never die. And then he asked this question. Do you believe this? I do. That's going to be written on my stone. When I fall over and they stick me at the Mount Olive, excuse me. When I fall over and they stick my pod in the ground at the Mount Olive Baptist Church down there in the country. It's going to have my name and then it's going to have born 9757, born again, 71775. Those are the two big dates for me. And then on the bottom it's going to say, he who believes in me will never die. I want some drunk to pass through the cemetery and look at that and get saved. Wouldn't that be great? One last message to humanity. Dear ones, I want to tell you something. You need to believe what he's got to say. You need to believe the word of God. Now, tomorrow I'm going to go about my business. I'm going to work on the sink. I'm going to put a new cabinet in tomorrow. I got some things I got to do on the farm. I'm going to eat collards because mama's not there and I can cook them when she's not there. And, and I'm going to watch TV. I'm going to watch the football game, yada, yada. But my eye is on the sky. My heart is in his kingdom and it forever will be. And I don't know whether I'm going to live another 20 years. Actually, I have 29,000 days allotted to me, and you do too, if you live the average age of an American. I burned through 23,000 of them. I better get you on the road. How long, I do not know, but I know this. I don't care whether it's tonight or 20 years from now. It makes no difference to me. 
Sudden death is sudden glory. And we live with that in the back of our hearts all the time. Let me quit. What's the other reason we'd look at this? Why would we look at something like this in our culture with all the difficulties going on? Very simply put, you need to be ready. Heaven is a prepared place. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. You can't get ready when you fall over. It's too late then. You got to get ready before you fall over. That's why the Bible said you heard the word of truth, you heard the gospel, and you trusted Jesus. Dear ones, listen to me. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, why not? What are you holding on to? I mean, what, what's there to hold on to once you've known the truth? You say, well, Brother Brown, I, I don't want to give up some things. Are you sure? It was the worst deal in world history would be to trade this world for eternal life. Jesus laid down his life because he loved you. But you've got to make a decision. You have to want to go. It's time. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you. I thank you and praise you. What are we doing in these churches? Why do we come to these buildings? Why do we sing these songs? Why do we read this old thousand-year-old, two-thousand-year-old book? Why do we do all this stuff? If there's no land that is fairer than day, why do we do this stuff? If there's no eternity, if there's no God, if there's no eternal something inside of me, an eternal man in there, why do we do this stuff? Nay, a thousand times no. We worship you and praise you and believe your word because you are real. And we are eternal beings. And it's in our hearts to long for eternity. Your word said you put it there. And I want to praise you and thank you by faith we can see it afar. Thank you that your word is true. We know that if this body's destroyed, I've got another one in the heavens. And I praise you. And I just want to thank you today. My sweetheart and I, we may have a little break in our relationship. hundred years from now, we'll still be enjoying each other. All my children for all of eternity will be together. I thank you and praise you for the goodness of the Lord. Most of all, I will see you face to face one day. The longing of our hearts is to see you face to face. And now, dear Jesus, before we go back out in this old nasty world, I pray you move across this room through the airwaves, through the internet and draw people to your dear son. Nobody can come unless you draw them. So I humbly ask you to open the eyes of people's hearts and see this stuff's real. Jesus is wonderful. He died for me. I've got to accept him. And dear Jesus, draw people to yourself as we pray now. I trust you for that. Friend, if you're sitting here, you're watching. Do you know for certain beyond the shadow of a doubt that if you fall over tonight, you would see Jesus face to face and live for all of eternity? Do you know for sure? Well, if you don't know for sure, let's settle it right now. Right there where you're seated, wherever you're at. I want you to pray with me a simple prayer. The Bible said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is your day, friend. God has spoken to you today. Come to him like a child, just like you are. Let's pray this together. Dear Jesus. I call on your name. I believe you are the son of God. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Thank you for the cross where you paid for me. And I open my heart to you today and I ask you to come in, dear Jesus. I repent. I turn to you. I receive you today as my savior, my Lord, the love of my life. I open my heart to you. Dear Jesus, from this day forward, I belong to you. And you belong to me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for speaking to me. 
Order my life, direct my life to know you. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Now, friend, if you prayed that from the heart, raise your hand real high where I can see it. Thank you. Put those down. Lord Jesus, I praise you and thank you. Your word says we're on this planet for one reason. It's not to make money. It's not to set records. It's not to grow food. It's not to throw a football. It is to decide where we want to spend eternity. And who do we want to spend it with? And I want to praise you and thank you that heaven's door is wide open. Your word said, whosoever the worst criminal murderer that ever lived can humble his heart and be received by Jesus. And for that, we give you the praise and glory. Lord Jesus, we've got to go back to work tomorrow, go back to school tomorrow. We've got to go back to house cleaning tomorrow. But I praise you and thank you that in the midst of the life we live here, we've lifted our eyes and we look at the things not yet seen. And I praise you and thank you for the day we will see you face to face in a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Thank you for your goodness and grace. The precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen Amen. and amen. Before you leave, I want to show you something. Time for us to crank up our new small group things. And we try to do things that will help people in small groups here. Everything from helping people that have been through divorce to folks that have lost a loved one. A number of groups for different things. One of the things we want to do is help the men become better husbands and fathers. I can't get a female amen out of that. (laughs) We do these men's studies. Thank you. I got one. You better straighten up. (laughs) One of the things we do is put men together. Something happens when men get together and women aren't in the room. God, God just works through men like that. And we began a new men's study, a new men's time together, not this Monday, but the next Monday. Tony Evans is going to be the, the, uh, his program. And I want you to watch this real quick. Let her rip there, fellas. All right, and again, that starts Monday week. Guys, if you're interested in that, you can go to the website and find it. You can call up here, they'll take care of you. We want to do everything we can do to get everything Jesus died to give us in every area. I want to thank you for being here today. I remind you, you can smile at folks, but you cannot kiss them on the mouth on the way out. Don't hug real close. Hug yourself if you need to hug somebody. And I long for the day. By this time next year, somebody's going to say, Corona what? God bless you. I love you.